This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, everybody, to the very first episode of The Psychologists Are In. I am Maggie Lawson. And I'm Timothy Amundsen. And we're so excited about this podcast. I was Juliette O'Hara on the show for eight seasons. I was and am and always will be head detective Carlton Lasseter, except now I'm Chief Carlton Lasseter. Chief Carlton Lasseter, that's right. And we are thrilled to go back and relive this wild, wonderful, beautiful, crazy, funny, emotional adventure that we all got to have together. On each episode of our podcast, we will go through an episode of Psych. Sort of. We're also going to tell some funny stories ish. and memories. Ish, right? We're going to ish tell, tell, talk about the episodes, but we'll give some fun facts and all that. And we're going to chat with all of our best friends and our teammates and family, our members. family members. Exactly. For our very first episode, we are so thrilled uh, to have the one and only creator and showrunner of the show, Steve Franks. No way. How did we get him? I have no idea. How, how did we get so lucky? I don't know. So we're going to sit back and listen to how Psych became Psych. If you know who's really lucky, our darling listeners out there, they're truly the winners here. They're they're the most lucky. <laughs> oh, and just to clarify, we use the word psychos a lot. Uh, we are referring to our loving, wonderful, loyal Psych fans. They have been calling themselves this for a very long time. We call them this now as well. Uh, and it's basically like a family name. You know, so hopefully after listening to this podcast, if you weren't calling yourself a psycho already, uh, you are now. Honestly, we're a family, but like there is this extended family now of of these of the psychos and the psych fans. And we're all kind of one because we are not us without them. One hundred percent. So this is for you guys. And uh, Tim and I are having a grand old time reliving everything, too. So uh, it's for us, too. (laughs) It's for everybody. It's mostly for us. It's it's mostly for us. It's mostly for us. We used to hang out. Yeah. And uh, drink martinis. Okay. Bye, Tim. Bye, Maggie. (laughs) Hi, guys. 
So a little backstory about the psychologists are in. For this very first interview with Steve, Tim was going to be a surprise. Well, he is a surprise. So that is why you don't hear from him for a little while. Uh, but Steve and I ended up talking for a pretty long time and a lot of fun stuff happened. And so we are actually going to break this episode up into two. So there's going to be a special mini episode for the rest of my interview with Steve Franks because there's just so much pineapple goodness in there, we have to share it with you. And going forward, it'll be all Amundsen all the time. Anyway, please enjoy our very first episode of The Psychologists Are In. Whenever I talk about psych, I always say it's like lightning struck. There were just so many pieces that came together that had to come together to make this really, really special thing. But the thing is, Lightning didn't strike. There was a genius behind this show from the very, very beginning. And I am so excited to talk to him today. You guys, we have Steve Franks here, who is the creator of Psych, the one behind everything. And I am just going to pick his brain on every topic and all things Psych. Are you ready, Steve? I am so happy and excited <laughs> to be here. And you don't have to call me a genius at any point because that's that's overstatement. No, it's not. But I appreciate it in, in, in the introduction. It's just like this this whole thing has just been so special from the very, very beginning. And uh, we just, you know, we've just finished Psych 3, uh, our movie. And uh, I've just been reflecting on it so much, just how all these things have come together. And we're going to go through every single episode on this podcast, starting with the pilot. So, Steve. Yes, Maggie. Let's start from the very beginning. But but here's the here's the thing. You aren't there at the very beginning, so it's less interesting. <laughs> so why don't we skip that part? No, no. Well, okay, we can skip certain parts, but uh, I do. I want to hear how you came up with this idea, where it began, and then the whole process you had. But we'll we'll go along. So start at the beginning. How did you come up with Psych? Well, the germ of the idea came years before um, years before I ever met Kelly Kolchak, who is our our great executive producer. And uh, and the the original first person who who was there who said, oh my gosh, this is a great idea. Uh, but uh, I, I wrote a movie called Big Daddy that got made. It was the first script that I sold, and that relates to. So I sold I sold the script, and it ended up getting made. Uh, you know, it was uh, um, it was it was exciting. Big Daddy, and then yeah, Big Daddy, yeah, yeah, yeah. to Columbia, which was huge. Well, it wasn't huge. It was like it, literally the, the the former president of the studio, Sid Gannis. They had, they he liked the script. He bought it, and they bought it, and it was the the lowest, like the lowest of lowest priorities. And uh, <laughs> that's amazing. Years later, Kelly Kolchak went to work for Throughline, which is also uh, Chris Henze's company. And she's like, I, you know, I think you, uh, what do you have? And I said, Well, I've always wanted to do a one hour. And I pitched a handful of half hours. And then at the end, the last one on the list was, well, I had this thing and it, it's called Fake Psychic Detective. And Kelly was like, oh my God, oh my God, that's a show. And she even said it like that, oh my God. Because that's uh, how she talks, oh my God. Yes, exactly, all the oh, time. Oh, Kelly. I did, that was that was not completely it accurate. Was perfect. But yes. <laughs> but she she really liked it. And and Chris, of course, and I had had gone in and produced a, a handful of shows that didn't make the air, but I was just excited that oh, it's gonna be a one-hour show. Yeah. And it would be the first time I ever done anything with cops. 
um, oh. which was cool for me because I grew up in a family of cops. So my dad and all of his brothers worked in law enforcement in one capacity or another. And I'd never even written a police officer into a show. Wow. So, so it was uh, it was an idea of, you know, that people kept telling me, oh, you should do something with police. And I don't, I don't want to do like a procedural thing. I, I would do something completely different. And so the idea of like, hey, fake psychic, that's that's pretty fun. So Kelly signs off. She's like, yes, this sounds fantastic. And she's a through line. Chris is a through line. Then how does that where does that go for you? Yeah, so it it went to, you know, you create a pitch and you create a pitch off uh, of the idea. And at the time, strangely enough, uh, it was, you know, in the early 2000, not the early 2000, 2004, probably. Mm-hmm. And it was just it, it was the it was the early days of the depressing murder, um, mutilated body um, right. procedural. Right. And I'm like, I don't want to do any of that. And, I, you know, I thought, well, this will be the antidote, you know, because before it switches back to the the shows I loved when I was growing up, because I loved moonlighting and I love Magnum P.I. Oh, and I love right. I love light, fun one hours where the good guys get bad guys. And then you get to see the fun of it is to see their lives and magnum lives on this great um estate in right. and and hawaii and and david addison is this uh, unbelievable guy who just sits around the office makes everybody laugh and you know he's a good detective but he's just wants to be funny and fun the whole time so oh, those I those are the this. things i was gravitating towards right so i you know i put together i, I put together a pitch and you know it it stemmed out of, I go, well, what's my take on, what's my take personally on, on the cop show. And for me, it was, it was that my dad wanted nothing more than for me to be a cop when I was growing up, like nothing more like, you know, and and so he, you know, he was like, it's a good job and you have insurance and benefits and all that stuff. And my dad, you know, was, was always driven by this idea of making the world a better place. Your dad Um, is so sweet. Your dad is the sweet, your parents, they, they visited our set so many times. They were just like a part of it. They're so wonderful. I know they were so bummed not to come up for this one with all the, all the restrictions and, and, and all that. And my dad kept calling every week and saying, "Oh, they changed the uh, they changed the, any of the border stuff." I go, "No, no, dad." <laughs> Aww. it was weird not having them there. It was weird, yeah. or at least not seeing them. So that's why we have. To, that's the number one reason we have to make another one. Uh, absolutely, uh, just so my parents can come. <laughs> at least, uh, how, I mean, five more. How like we'll just keep making them forever. But that is the main reason. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Um, so your dad, you you have that that sort of personal story and attachment to it that your dad always wanted you to be a cop yeah and and by accident he used to because as a cop you know he he we he needed to work three jobs to sort of pay for the house and then for all the kids and all that stuff right so he would do he would work security at sears and he would also do take what they call side jobs and one of them was security on movie sets um and so he would take me to this movie sets and inadvertently instead of Instead of inspiring me to become a cop, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is what I want to do. I want to hang out on the set and and all that. And so that's where my love of of television came from, and and movies and and all of that. And you know, I got to be on the set of Moonlighting, so which was really? my favorite show. And yeah, and oh, I mean, I wasn't so cool. You know, I'm just standing around and and, uh, and hanging out and watching it. And, Still, and seeing, but like when it's your favorite show. Yeah, no, and, and it was so great. You know, and it's like, oh yeah, I'm working this. What is this Eddie Murphy movie? I'm like, oh my god, I'm down. You know, so I. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I, I would so immediately neat. be, you know, drive down to Chinatown and uh, um, and come hang out on the set and you know see if I could see and I, I and it was funny because I I like 
just kind of stayed in the corner. I didn't like try to go interact with anybody um, inadvertently because I'm a giant, um, ridiculous <laughs> human being. People would you, notice me. <laughs> you are, uh, you're hard to miss. That's true. Yes, it's exactly. True. It's true. Um, one of my questions actually for you was, was about the sort of comedy part of like bringing that into a procedural. Cause like you said, oftentimes like the the cases and shows about a murder or just you know detective shows in general whatever bringing in that element of comedy how did you get to like sean spencer and him being and and gus and you know obviously lassiter and juliet being you know we're the cops but like this relationship and and the funny and the crazy of this of the fake psychic well, it, it always felt like, you know, that it needed to, it, cop shows are more fun with an outsider. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and you can do grizzled or, or, you know, disenchanted cop and that's been done a lot, but you didn't <laughs> yeah. see, you know, the, the, especially the era of the private detective, which when I was very little was like, you know, Jim Rockford and the Rockford files. Yeah, totally. And so you had, you said this, this sort of history of, of the private eye who would come in and, but the private eye was always like, usually it was someone walking into their office and they'd have to get hired. And I thought, well, is there a way we can intrinsically make someone who shouldn't be in the police station needed in the police station all the time? Mm. And, and so the psychic is some, some, something that some people do employ more than more on our show than, uh, than, <laughs> than in usual. the reality. Did your dad have any experience with that? I don't think so. I don't think so. I, I don't think he ever uh, dealt with the psychic okay, okay, in, okay. In, in that kind of way. But, uh, you know, a lot of that was uh, artistic license and I put artistic in quotation marks. Uh, but it was a license then to create a character that didn't have to have any boundaries. And totally. that's why Sean, Sean should go to the extreme. And, uh, and, and that's where it's just like, and, and for me, it's like writing should be fun and creating a show should be fun. And, you know, like working on a one hour television show, it's so hard. Uh, and people, when I, when I first started telling them I wanted to write a one hour, they're like, you realize that's the hardest <laughs> of, of half hours of movies. It's the worst schedule. It's the longest <laughs> schedule. It's the hardest thing. And I'm right. like, yeah, yeah, I know. I know. Don't never tell me the, never tell me what's bad. No, but 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 there is a like a lightness to our show. And 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 just for people who don't know, usually I think procedurals shoot eight day episodes, right? And we were shooting seven. Is that right? I think we even had yeah. like a shorter schedule. So we even had more work in a like we had the same amount of work in a shorter amount of time to do it. So it wasn't even it was gonna be harder even than usual. Well, and then we would hear about shows that like, yeah, we're doing 12 days and it's I don't know how we're gonna do our visual effects. And I'm like, are you kidding us? We're doing it seven days. <laughs> and we would every once in a while get an eighth day as like a Oh, that a was such a big thing. deal. That was it and felt would, so cushy. Yeah. I know. And we would split them between two episodes. So <laughs> oh, it, could, totally. uh, it could be there. And we did a we did a two our musical in 14 oh, days unbelievable which, which was the craziest of, of all the schedules that 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 was the one that i i can't believe that none of us didn't go to the hospital or something for. it was but that was all you and you blew me away on that just because from writing all the music to directing it and i know we're not this isn't the musical episode of the of the podcast but that's just a, like a teaser for later it's it's a preview of uh, of you know the psychologist is in episode <laughs> 100 <laughs> <laughs> um, which is also something to celebrate. Okay, so so how did the uh, the observational part of it 
when it came to like Sean Spencer and how he was going to fool everybody and in, in the skill that he has. Was that something your dad did with you? Well, that, and yeah, that was that was straight out of my dad because my dad, in his in his constant wanting me to be a cop, was training me to be, uh, you know, was like he always said, "I'm a paid observer," and so he would always mm. tell me, like, "Okay, you know, we'd sit down for for lunch," and he goes, "Okay, what's your exit?" You know, just in case there's a firefight or whatever wow. that uh, that goes down. Uh, so you know, and and it also I think it helped me too becoming a writer because. I'm not an eavesdropper, but I notice conversations and, and things, and and and, and you it drives my characters of chairs and and uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, of course, you have to study people as a writer. Yeah, and so I, th- I think it was straight out of my dad, who you know he says if you know a room when you walk in, he says how many hats are in a room, and I thought oh, it's, it's really cool. You know, and so wow. I, I put that in the pilot. And the great thing about it is, you know, you, when you go into to a show, you you have your pitch and your pitch is your story. And you start with like a blurb about yourself. And then you say, OK, and now we're going to start the pitch. And then you start the story. And, and, and it feels very stilted right. to me when you when you do that, because it's like, OK, blah, 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 personal chatter. And now we'll talk about this story. And my my pitch was seamless because there's Finney right there. He's Hi, Finney. I know I was going to have Peanut here today, but I was like, oh, maybe it's a, maybe, (laughs) maybe for the first one, I won't have her, but I might have her for the others. Hi, Finny. Okay. So he's, he's here, but he can't hear you because of the headphones. Oh, now he's bored. Uh, So the great thing was, you know, my pitch was, I was telling the story about my dad, my dad wanting to be a cop. And then I started telling the story about how many hats in in the room and that's the first scene of the pilot. But the great thing about that is I'm telling a story about my personal life. And it says, he said, how many hats in the room? And I closed my eyes and then it said three. And from there, and from that point, I was telling the story of the, of the pilot of psych. Wow. And, and it was probably like, you know, and, and Bill McGoldrick who went on to become head of most everything's in yes, the room and is yes. like, Oh wow, we're in the pitch. We're all of a sudden we're in the pitch. And it was such Amazing. a seamless transition that I realized, Oh my gosh, I've hooked these people, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Wait, was, which doesn't what, always so happen. When, when Kelly and Chris were on, so at Throughline, did you have like a list of places you were going to go or was there, did they have like a deal with it? It was, well, we went to, we went to, um, I'm sure we went to all the studios, went to sure. Fox and the Fox okay. pitch went pretty well. And Fox said, Hey, well, let's make this a half hour. And I'm like, um, I don't know how to do that. Right. That would be weird. Right. And, um, and one of the places I wa- I actually really wanted to go was USA Network because of Monk, because I yep. liked watching Monk. And I said, here's a show that's kind of like ours that yeah. I thought we could pair with, which is, once again, talk about just talk things into existence. I I had said, let's go to USA Network, and then they can put us on right after Monk. And they ended up putting us on right after Monk. It's a perfect is- pairing, though. And Monk, at the time, I felt like was, was something we kind of hadn't seen, because it was also an hour long. It was also more about the people and the relationships than necessarily, even though the cases were great. It was just so unique. And it was very funny, but not like sitcom funny. It was, I think, kind of the first time we saw maybe like the dramedy, I think was the word they were calling it at the time. Yeah. But like, yeah. Yeah, it, it was fantastic. I was such a fan. And the greatest thing is Andy Breckman, who's the creator of the show, called me once we got picked up. And and uh, I'm, I'm like, oh, my God, it's Andy Breckman. <laughs> it's so excited <laughs> to talk about it. Not to be the nicest guy and just offered 
so much great advice without me ever having to ask. And, and I was such a wonderful man and, and so great and gave me so many tips about navigating the, the system that I never would have known to do wow. you know, at that point. Do you remember any of them? Do you remember? Well, any- he was he was instrumental in saying, let's say, you don't have to do all the stuff they're suggesting. People have to suggest things, you know? And so, you know, be able to look between that. And and to me, it's like in any in any process, I always say that it's a miracle that a show gets sold. It's a miracle that a script gets finished. It's, it's a miracle that a pilot gets made. It's a miracle that there's every one of them is a miracle. It is. And if they it turn really out to is. be good. That's, that's just, you know, that you, it's, it's such a small percentage of any of those things. And I feel like, you know, for me, it's like, I always surround myself with great, great people. And I want to give them credit as often as possible because we've had some great executives, you know, people like to say, I hate our executives, you know, whatever. We've had some great executives that gave me notes that like, oh yeah, that's right. Of course we didn't do that and all that stuff. And we've gotten, you know, I'm not saying that, that the the far percentage of notes were things that made all of us cringe <laughs> but uh, you know right. you just find your ways around that but you, you know you look for the all right all right we didn't do that or you know yeah hey listen it would be great to explain all of those things over the course of the episode but it's 42 minutes and wouldn't you rather laugh and smile and see this character and do all that stuff and we'll cover it but we're gonna we're gonna fly by it quickly and we're gonna give the viewer enough credit that they don't have to hear the, the same thing repeated three or four times. Right, so, right. So for for all that, Andy Breckman was was just so amazing and oh, nice, and I've I never met that. the man face to face because really? he works he works out of out of New Jersey oh. at a writer's room in New Jersey, and uh, it just never worked out for our art schedules ever being in the same place. So someday. I love these stories. I love when people, the people who've helped us along the way, like he probably doesn't realize what an impact that had with you. And and that there, there are these people kind of along the way. I do feel like we did have, from what I know, which was not what you know from like executives or whatever, but I do feel like we had some really loving, excited, creative people on our executive team. And like now that I've seen a lot of how shows get made and how lines can be drawn and that like, you don't necessarily always feel them as a part of the creative process. And I felt like we had like real fans, like our actual creators and the people who were, I mean, creators, uh, executives who were involved were actual like fans of the show. Like it was really fun. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? I think everyone probably could answer yes to that question. I know I can. Well, that's where BetterHelp comes into play. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It is not self-help. It is professional therapy done securely online. There is a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses, plus you can schedule weekly or video phone sessions, so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change therapists if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline therapy and financial aid is even available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. 
Visit betterhelp.com slash pineapple. That's better help H E L P and join the over 2 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Special offer for the psychologists are in listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash pineapple. That's 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash pineapple. And, and the funny thing is, you know, I hired a, a handful of people and, and our two lowest writers were Anupam Negam and um, Andy Berm, Andy Berman. Who was the lowest level? That's so crazy. Yeah, our two like- lowest level writers were, um, and Anupam was just, just, uh, just such a funny, um, it was just such a funny interview. It's like, I knew I had to hire him right on, uh, right on the spot. And his, his dad wanted him to be a, a doctor. And so he had this sort of totally different experience, uh, um, but the, uh, in life, but, but we were, we were tied by these two things. And Andy Berman had written, was an actor who was on the wonder years, um, played Chuck and, and then was in a lot of movies. Well, and he was the one that's like, he's my choice. This is my, they, these two, these two guys are my choice. That's one of my questions was like, who were your like dream people? Okay, cool. So from day one. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And they had, you know, and then the, the studio wanted us to get some seasoned people who knew <laughs> their way around the procedural. And, and, you know, and then I think after the first year, it's like, oh, well, well, hold on. Maybe we'll just go with these guys that are crazier. So we, uh, we ended up <laughs> fortifying our staff with the, uh, um, with, <laughs> with with the the tone that, that that ended up becoming the uh the show but uh but people you know and and so we would we would have a, a fairly small writers room but it's like you know everybody was was welcome to pitch ideas it's the assistants you know the uh the script supervisor and you know our script supervisors and assistants ended up writing episodes for us and uh you know and that's it, right it was just a, that's right but we always it was always about this show has a different tone and the tone is wish fulfillment and each episode mm. starts with the world and the world is the important thing, whether it's uh, the world of the spelling bee, whether it's the world of, of American idol, or it's uh, you know, it's, it's, we're going to do Indiana Jones this week. It should all come from some place of like, Oh my God, I want to do that. I, you know? And so it's, it's about wish fulfillment. So that was That's always so cool. It should be fun. It should, what we're doing is fun. That's how it always felt. It always felt like an adventure. Every episode felt like an adventure. Also, I I'm noticing uh, the Indiana Jones pinball machine, as you said, Indiana <laughs> Jones in the background, uh, which you said I did ask you about this early on. But now that we're recording, you bought this with when you got Big Daddy. It was my one um, extravagant purchase uh, <laughs> between Sullivan Patterson it. and I. Uh, we. We are just, we don't consider ourselves cheap. We just don't like to waste money <laughs> in terms of that. But it was the one purchase I made for I'm myself. Like, I'm buying this. I got to have this. And and I used to, when I wrote, I would get stuck. And whenever I got stuck, I would drive down to the arcade and play pinball. And it it forces you, a, a little silver ball coming at you, forces you to get out of your own head. Yeah. And almost... Every time I would solve the problem while playing some silly pinball machine. So it's a magical pinball machine. It's it's a a little bit magical. Yes, exactly. I love this. I love that. I mean, I feel like writers often like kind of talk about whatever they have to do to sort of get out of their head for a minute. But Indiana Jones pinball, I think, is the coolest one I've ever I've ever heard. I think it's it's my favorite. And then the other thing we used to do in the writer's room is um, I would say, let's get the room on its feet. And we would just go for a walk. 
and our offices were oh, in Manhattan Beach. Yeah. And we would just walk and and the first 20 minutes you don't get anything done and sometimes it's it's hot and and people are like oh, why are we doing this? But after you get get going, we just keep walking and suddenly it's like, oh, hold on, what about this? And we would come up with so many episode ideas or solve episode problems or realize the episode we were trying to, to write is a terrible one <laughs> and change our mind. So I want to talk casting now from the beginning. So so you write your pilot. So who helped you write the pilot? Was that, uh, that's just you, right? That was just me, yeah. Yeah, that was just you. So you pitch, you go, like you pitch a couple people or whatever, and they, McGoldrick is like, oh, we're in the pitch. You're like, we're cruising. This is my guy. Uh, and then USA, we land at USA. Were there any other contenders or was it just like, no, this is our home? It was pretty much uh, our home. It was, right. like I said, there was the Fox thing of like, hey, you want to make this a half hour? And like, yeah, but I, you know, I, I don't tend to get like, because what I do is pretty specific. Uh, it, it isn't usually like a town-wide bidding war. Right, right. <laughs> but like, but like, it's never that. It's never a town-wide bidding war. Uh, and, and, but I, I do feel like, like there was, I can't even imagine psych anywhere else. So it makes sense that it would just be like, no, it's USA. Cause that's where, yeah. that's where and, we're going to live. And pretending it's my choice right now, but it's, a, it but was it's, your like, choice I, monk. It well, was the perfect well, berry. It's true. <laughs> but it's like, sometimes whenever I pitch something, I'm like, Oh, why would we go to them? Because they don't do this. And they would, they would want, probably want to change it or they, they're not going to want to do. So I, I like to target, you know, this place will do what we want right uh, we're, we're bringing them this show and they would they would want this show and right. uh, you know i don't feel like shoehorning this into the cw is going to be good for anybody right and like i said the, the mantra is it has to be fun it it can't be you know in so many people you say it's miserable we're getting all these you know all this pressure it has to be fun because that's the only way you're going to make a great show that was the tone um okay so now we're going to usa or you're making a pilot for usa um is the next move then casting yeah, well, we we wrote the script and the, you know we figured. That oh, you sold the pitch, uh, right? Maybe, okay, so you yeah, you sold the pitch. I had to have them. I had to have them send me a one-hour um, TV drama script because I'd never seen <laughs> oh one. Oh my in god, my life. really? Because I knew that the formatting is so different for a half hour or for a feature film. And I'd written, I'd written feature films and uh, and I'd written half hours, but I'd never done a one-hour. What so do you I'm remember? Like, what script they sent you? I got a whole bunch of them, but I got some monks. I got a few monks, and those were fun. And uh, and then I got some some old strange stuff. I think I got some forty four hundreds, which really didn't apply. Oh, interesting. To, yeah. To anything that we were doing, but I just wanted to get the format right and pretend like, oh yeah, I know exactly how this goes. <laughs> uh, I love it. And you, so, okay, so so you sold this on a pitch. So we sold it on a pitch. We went in the room. We wrote the script, and then I remember I was at the movies, and then I got a call from Jackie DeCrenis, who said, "Hey, we're gonna um, we're gonna make this thing." And I was, I was, I don't remember what movie it was, but I was bummed because I didn't go back into the movie. Because at this point, I'm like, <laughs> I was too excited to do that, uh, to do that. But I was like, oh my god, how well now? Now it's like, how am I going to do this? Right. Um, so we, we and the script was uh, was really um, well received. So they said we're going to make a pilot, and we went into the casting process, and uh, you know, and they gave us they they make their list of names right. of you know of of people you do, you're not going to meet you're not going to have read they're just you know they're just names offer of people only who, or whatever yeah, yeah offer them the show and they'll do right, it and right. uh some people it's like oh we really like that this person we met some like like some really you know cool funny people 
Do you remember anybody? I don't know. I don't know. And I get confused my first show, but I know that I every once in a while in the garage, I'll find um I'll find like notes, casting notes. And like, oh, I was so stupid. But I remember um <laughs> I remember it was either for this or my NBC show and Kevin Hart had come in. Oh wow, uh, really? And I wrote Hey, this guy's funny. Like I'd figured this out. Like, hey, this guy's funny. Like, oh, that's how, hilarious. Yeah. You were like, by the way, I just just discovered somebody. Like he's yeah, funny. exactly. <laughs> that's like, amazing. No, nobody else in the room would have figured this out, but this guy's funny. <laughs> but I, I just this guy knows his comedy. He knows his comedy. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, okay, so you met with some people. We met with we met with some people, and you know the lists were you know there were there were some interesting names, but mm. it, once again we were basic cable, you know, and and this was you know at the at the cusp of USA's really successful run, so it wasn't like the best idea, you know, the the most exciting idea in the world for actors to come do a basic cable show, right, at right, at the time especially, right, but but for me it's like it I was like wait a minute we we do only sixteen episodes of this and. Uh, <laughs> And uh, and we get when we get the, all this freedom to do this, and yeah. we have a studio and a, a network that that I'm like, sign me up. I never want to do a a network thing, right? So we ended up meeting. Um, we ended up just starting casting, and James came in um, pretty early on. And the first time we we met him, um, he had this big shaggy mountain man beard. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. He did. <laughs> I think he was he was a little um, he was a little more reserved than usual. Yeah, um, he is though. It's interesting, like personality. Like he is reserved. I think when people meet him, sometimes they're kind of surprised at how reserved he is, just because of you know, Sean Spencer is not yeah. at all. Yeah, it was, and it was, and I'm like, okay, so I'm, I like it, but but when he said the words, he was he was he was like seventy percent of of what he would end up doing, right? But he was still reserved, even in the performance. But I just like this guy's really funny. Let's bring him back in. Um, and so he was the one that, that, that was on the list. And then we had, we had a handful of people like, oh, this person's pretty good. And our casting person was like, all right, well, you should have this because this, the network loves this person. I'm like, okay. Right. So, and, and this is me in casting. I'm the worst person with casting because I, and I, I said this to you and like, I think about it. This person read my sides learned these words, picked out an outfit, got ready, drove down here, sat in that waiting room, got validation for parking, and they walk in and, you know, it's so easy. People go, nope. And I'm like, well, let's just see. So I always talk to the actors. I always see like, uh, you know, is this this person have something in them? Before we ever hear the words, I want to know, you know, what's happening with this performance. And whether it's just like, hey, wow, you did the, you did the, the Nestle quick commercial. And that was pretty funny. (laughs) Or, hey, yeah, you know, that's and, but it drove, so nice, though, Steve, by the way, a lot of people don't think that way. It's nice from my side, but it drives everybody else in the room crazy because it's like we're 40 minutes behind. <laughs> but it's so it's, nice. I don't know. Like that kind of just awareness and care and all of it. It's really special. Well, and also, you know, it's like we always had the no a-hole policy, but I always <laughs> we have a no. I don't want to because if I'm going to have to be with these people and I, I always said we're going to do five years. I said, if I'm going to have to be with these people every day or, you know, interact with them. I, I want someone who's really special as a human being. Mm-hmm. And I'd rather have an, an, an actor, you know, if there's an amazing actor who's an a-hole, 
it just it's not worth it and it and it disrupts the flow and the fun of everything else so totally. for me it was like just as important to know oh wow this person's pretty cool yeah and you know and uh and so we would start the words and and talking with james i'm like oh, okay I, I love this guy he's great and so james came in again and then the second time he was just off the charts unbelievable is that the video we've seen i think it's a part of one of the dvd extras that now was even that was further down the, the the line but it was funny because once we cast james he would come in to the casting sessions and he would read with people um just to to read and especially with the gusses he would he read with most of them he's such a generous actor i mean that that does not surprise me at all from just from the very beginning but yeah okay so so that was from did he have to like network test and all that stuff and like okay, yeah, yeah unfortunately yeah, yeah. we were right. like we're like this is the guy can you you know i was like this guy's a movie star this guy yeah. is you know that yeah and they're like we have our process <laughs> you know so <laughs> we brought in we brought in you know you have to bring in like four which i think is like the worst kind of thing that actors have to go through is like there's three other versions of you no matter what the testing no process the, is so much it's just so hard and then yeah. you go in the parking lot and sign your life away for the next seven years before you ever go to sit in that room it's true i mean people don't know that you know when you tell the story they're like wait what you're testing i'm like well yeah but technically like i've already signed the contract but they can decide at that point if they want me or not. I just like if they decide it's me, I've now committed for, as you said, seven years, not yet with long the, the contract is for. It's kind of a wild experience. You know all of that going into a test room, like your your episodic fee, how much you're going to make, then how many years it's, you know, most of them I think standard are seven years. It might be different now with cable, but uh yeah, so you have all that kind of like writing on it as well when you go in the room. Because then you start calculating, you're like, seven years, I'd be making what? And I go, wow, okay, all right. So it is, it's a, such a wild process and it's still kind of the process. It's so, it's still what they do. Okay, so he comes in, he clearly, he gets it. <laughs> he, he does it. And then Dulé was on our list because uh, West Wing was ending. Right. And so, and we liked, we just loved him as a dramatic actor. I didn't know him as, I, I hadn't seen the Corn Pops commercial yet. So, <laughs> so we knew, we knew he pops. was on Broadway and we knew all that stuff. Right, right. Um, but Dulé was, was of, of a stature that he didn't have to read. He wasn't required to read. So we just said, let's just get a meeting with him. Uh, and so we came in for the meeting and uh, and we loved it. We were talking to him and they're like, oh, this guy would be so great. And, and it's like, oh my gosh, you think he can do it? And then at the end, uh, he's just like, should we read this? And like, okay. Do said that? There we go. Yeah. Oh, so I it love was, it. Uh, it was a matter of, you know, I think we were just feeling each other out as uh, uh, human beings. As, and uh, and he and James did it. And it was like, oh, wow, this is this is this is something. You know, and they had a really nice um, banter and flow. And then we did it again. And then they started to to play. And and the whole character of Gus suddenly suddenly starts to appear. You yeah. Know, in, in that in that moment. When you had the script, they read, they test. Then you see their chemistry together. Did you go back and rewrite anything? Did anything change character wise after meeting them and being like, oh, they've brought this like this other this other thing now? Or did that just slowly evolve in the episodes? Well, I think as as we were going, it definitely did. Especially once we got to the pilot, so we started adjusting because it's like, oh well, Dulé does this and he does that, and, and then James does this and James does that, and you, you know you're fitting it. But the core of who the characters were never changed. Right. They they in 
they embodied, you know, they just built upon and expanded upon and, and gave a, uh, this complete life to everything that they did. And, and we're like, oh my gosh, he does that super well. So we're going to do that. With HelloFresh, you get fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. The holidays can be hectic, but HelloFresh keeps things simple with recipes and ingredients that cut out grocery shopping and limit meal prep time so you can spend more of the festive season with your friends and family. HelloFresh offers 50 menu and market items to choose from every single week, including vegetarian, calorie smart, and gourmet options, providing plenty of variety. Ingredients travel from the farm to your door within a week, so you get the convenience without skimping on the quality. HelloFresh isn't just for meals. Their marketplace features a variety of add-ons for breakfasts, desserts, and seasonal snacks like Pillsbury pumpkin cookie dough. HelloFresh offers the flexibility you need to easily customize your order on the app within minutes. Easily change your delivery day, food preferences, and plan size, or skip a week whenever you need. HelloFresh makes the holidays easier. Your weekly delivery is made to help you cut back on meal prep and cleanup, and their limited edition holiday boxes deliver everything you need to cook up a family feast. No planning necessary. I have to say, I just used HelloFresh for the first time, and I love it. I love it so much. I just tried it recently. It was exactly what it said. It took me the same amount of time it said for prep, and the food was so, so good. I was actually like really impressed, and I am not a cook at all. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Pineapple14 and use code Pineapple14 for up to 14 free meals and three free gifts. That's HelloFresh.com slash Pineapple14 and use code Pineapple14 for up to 14 free meals and three free gifts. I was going to say, which character do you think you're like, do you most identify with? Or was there any sort of like, oh, this is more me or. It's funny because I always say that the the character is actually a split of my personality because I'm as cautious and thoughtful as Gus is. Um, and but I also am always looking for fun the way that, right. that Sean is. Yes, I can totally see that. So I'm not as bold as Sean is and I'm not as as smart as Gus is. But uh, but I, I possess many of the characters, and I also, most importantly, I possess the super smeller because <gasps> that's one of my questions. <laughs> there we for go. You was as I was watching through the pilot again, and then into Spelling Bee, I have so many little isms of like the blueberry, the super smeller. Like who was like, yeah, that's Gus's car, and that's gonna be the car for like eight seasons, and we're gonna call it the blueberry. And also, the super smeller is just such a, an interesting trait. I I also have a super smeller. Well, there we go. So there you go. Yes. So it's a curse, right? It it's is a curse, and especially when you're like, what is that? And nobody else knows what you're talking about. But I just never had a name for it. Until psych, where I'm like, it's a super smeller. And if, <laughs> if there's smeller. someone next to me with like too much cologne or perfume, it's like it's it's torture. We we'll be walking our dogs and we'll be walking. There's like a condo area, and I'm like, someone's making like garlic bread upstairs, and it's like you can suddenly you're like, like, I want Italian for dinner. 
Oh my gosh. And, and it, and this is where I'm like the guys, it's like those scents. I'm like, makes me hungry all the time. So I smell food <laughs> and I'm smell food all the time. Yeah. So no, I'm, this is so funny. So, okay. So that's part of your personality. So the super smeller and Gus was actually, uh, you, I think a lot of my personality stuff goes into Gus. I'm also the vault of secrets, uh, mm. is that, uh, that Tim, Tim L trigger always says one of our, our writers, uh, he says, like, wait, you didn't you didn't tell anybody that? And I go, you told me not to tell anyone. Oh, my gosh. So, but yeah, but like you could tell your wife, you know, and I'm like, well, you said that you said this is in confidence. And, it, you know, and, and I, I'm, I'm never like burdened with like stories of someone murdering something or someone. But if someone says, says, hey, keep this to yourself. Okay, then you you just said keep it to yourself, so I'm I'll keep it to myself. But uh, that's, by the way, an amazing trait. That's a great, just a person, a, a human friend. Like that is such a nice thing. Well, thank you. I, and very rare, <laughs> I feel like, in our business and in this town. Yeah, well, maybe maybe I just forget. <laughs> like oh yeah i should have spilled the beans about that i have to apologize for keep looking down at my phone a few times um i um there's a little surprise for you uh that oh my will be arriving uh very soon uh but we'll see we'll see we'll just keep talking and then we'll the the surprise will uh will 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 soon appear well um, i will I'll, I'll keep things moving forward then too <laughs> until we get there let's invite your surprise Okay, I'm ready. I'm Wait, I'm excited. Let's see. I thought it would for a moment was coming to my house because I heard my dog bark. Oh no! Well, wait a I minute. I think it's definitely. <laughs> I think I think I see what it is. Yeah, hold on. He's connecting to audio. Wait, let's There's see somebody... your face. Hold on. Connect to video. Chief, 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 Lassiter. This, if this is who I think it is, but, uh, <laughs> it would be uh, weird if you didn't know who it was at this point. But well, uh, <laughs> it could it could be someone just using the nickname. Yay! Oh my goodness! And Allison, hello there. Hi. Hi, Tim. Hey, guys. What you doing? You guys playing cards? Yeah, we're, we're just, just playing out. cards. We're just hanging out doing something. That's a nice hat you have there. That's an Thanks, amazing right? hat. Um, the, yeah, the coolest rap gift ever for the coolest psych movie ever, I think. Yeah. Granted, we haven't seen five yet, but all I know is that <laughs> three was um, beyond all hopes and dreams. We're going to see I 10, can't. hopefully. And I haven't even seen it yet. So, so Tim... I have been talking, hi, Tim, uh, which is kind of perfect because we actually were just going through all this whole process of like how Steve came up with Psych and, and uh, characters and we were about to sort of get into the pilot. Obviously, I wasn't in the pilot, but uh, Ooh, which, had I had I known, I would have not done the pilot out of protest. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, do you know? Do you know what's amazing? And, and it, it actually times out perfectly because we just talked about casting James and we talked about casting Dulé, mm -hmm. but it was Tim who came in and uh, mm. he was the one, he was the yes. one who right off the, the bat with in the room, they were ready to hire him at the, uh, at the studio network test, but he was in down with love. And I remembered that. And I go, I'm, I remembered him in that, and then his read of of Lassard from the first mm. words he said was so spectacular and so funny, and like this is the guy we knew it, it was going to be him. Yes, and it was the interrogation scene of the first time Lassard hauls in Sean. So that's I hadn't gotten the script; I just got that scene. So I'm like, oh, it's a cop show. So I put on my blue cop suit, went to the audition, saw a bunch of my old friends sitting in the waiting rooms in their blue cop suits. Yeah, so I go on to see. Uh, Steve Kelly and uh, and Chris and um, our casting director. And as just as I'm about to start, Steve goes, "Hey, just so you know, it's not mood lighting. It's NY. It's it's not NYPD blue. It's moonlighting." 
I was like, and oh, he, great, which okay. We talked about just now earlier in the recording that it was, well, one of his favorite shows uh, growing up. And then he also, his dad was a security guard uh, and was doing work on Moonlighting. So he actually got to go and watch uh, Moonlighting being being filmed. So it's, it's like it keeps Moonlighting, keeps making its way. Full yeah, yeah. Thank God I told you right then. Um, but yeah, I probably should have told you the second you walked in the door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, was, it was as I was about to start my first line, you told me that. I was like, oh, okay, great. Because I, I actually watched Moonlighting as a kid and really loved it. I was like, I can do Moonlighting. A million people can do NYPD Blue. Like anybody, anybody can do Tough Cop, but um, comedy cops are a little tougher. So I did it. And it, it, I just remember feeling so good in the room and you guys being so supportive. Like I literally said, I'm going to get the hell out of here before I screw this up. And then ran out the door. <laughs> you have that worry, though, as an actor sometimes when you're like, when you've done it and you're like, man, I, I was in the zone. Like, that was good. And then there was like this banter after and like you want to talk and you're like, yeah. I don't want my personality to mess this up. So let me yeah, get Steven, out of the room. Steve and Kelly were like, like, that was it. You nailed that. And like, oh, I got to go. I got to go. <laughs> I got to go. Let me not say another word. Um, That's, uh, Chris Chris Henze calls that because I'll do that after a, re a really good pitch. Mm -hmm. And and I'll just keep talking. And Chris is like, take yes for an answer and <laughs> yeah, leave exactly. right now. Such good Why advice. Why are you still selling it? It's funny. <laughs> so when I was talking to Tim yesterday, too, he said to me that uh, he's like, it's so funny. I remember the day Steve Franks called me and said, I, I got it. Um, like it was yesterday. Yeah, I remember the phone call. I was on, um, I was right near the Westfield mall, mall for some reason, seeing a call from you. So I pulled over because I was responsible and didn't, wasn't on the phone while I was um, driving. I, this was right after the test. And, and Steve gave me the good news. It's like, you know, I'm not Hollywood. I'm not a Hollywood guy. I don't live there. This is going to be super fun. It's all about fun and family. And I was like, that's, count me in, man. That's awesome. I and can't believe I said that. From the beginning. You know, I'm so Hollywood. <laughs> he just said, it's kind of amazing. Like now that I think about uh, how this whole thing came together and also where we are. I mean, we're still doing it where it's not even just like, let's talk about this adventure we had. We're still having it, um, which is unreal. And I think like listening to you, Steve, talk about this other part of like no a-holes allowed and like it really was. And yet I still got in. <laughs> <laughs> That's how good of an actor you are, Tim. <laughs> hey, you know, speaking of um, the time frame, so the, on the third movie, not spoiling anything, there's that, there happened to be that first amazing day in that group scene when all of us were there. Oh, and we the were best. trying to do the math of like how long we'd all been involved in this project. What was the final math on it? Well, it's, I mean, Steve said 2004 is when he first came up with, like, when he started developing Psych. Um, I came yeah, on, I, oh, sick, go ahead. Oh, no, no. Well, I mean, for you guys, um, for it was two, October 2015, it would have been the, uh, the, when we shot the pilot because 2005. <laughs> oh, 2015. No, it's 2015. See, but I told you I'm going to do like 15 years, 16 years. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm starting to do the math. Like, yeah, no, 2005, which gives us not 15, but 16 years at this point. And uh, yeah, so that's, that's just from you guys. And I think, yeah, I must have come up with it in 2004, pitched it well, in 2005. Well, because the established 2006. Well, that's that when, we, when premiered. we premiered. Yeah. We premiered in July of uh, 2006. 
So, but the but they said, hey, you know, the best time to shoot a movie set in the summer in Santa Barbara is in October and November <laughs> in Vancouver. One of my questions for you, Steve, was like, do you remember any stories just from making the pilot that because I mean I can see breath in a lot of the in a lot of the shots. So <laughs> like and then rain at one so point. Much. Yeah, there's like a lot, but I yeah, if there was anything uh, element wise, also Santa Barbara. Like, it's such an interesting location for a cop show. <laughs> like, the main street. Yeah, the main streets of Santa Barbara. But I feel like th did that that must have played into your comedy sort of lighter side of all this. Well, I mean, it was, once again, it's, it goes back to being fun and, 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 right. and hiring fun people and all that stuff. And I, I grew up and we would go vacation in Santa Barbara. That was, that was, instead of Hawaii, that was what we had, you know? And so... We would go up there, and I, I love that place. And I always said, "Oh, I want to have a house up here, and uh, uh, and you know, someday, which which I don't, but uh, but I still like to visit there." Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> the network was just like, "Yeah, Santa Barbara, great. It's going to shoot in Vancouver because well, that makes did. sense." <laughs> they came to me like right away, and they said, "Okay, about the Santa Barbara thing," and I'm like, "Yeah, you love it, right? You know, because I'm this <laughs> I'm this green idiot." And they go, what about Seattle? And I'm like, Seattle? And uh, like the only thing I remembered Seattle from was from a show called, oh, no, it wasn't even Seattle. The only thing I remember from the Pacific Northwest was a show called Hello, Larry, when I was like three years old with McLean Stevenson. It's amazing so, you can remember something <laughs> from when you were three years old. I'm surprised you didn't, you didn't reference Medicine Ball, one of my first series which shot in Seattle. The, oh, there we, the go. Amazing, there we go. Amazing, amazing Medicine Ball. Yeah, so, or maybe it was, you know, Twin Peaks was shot. Mm like somewhere in in that region mm -hmm. um and the northern exposure probably um at that point but i was just like well you know the idea is 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 it's beautiful and fun there and you know and uh they're like all right all right so they said we have one place where there's palm trees and it was white rock which is right next to the border which is the place we shot the last day of uh of the psych uh, movie three and it was uh, it was an amazing and beautiful day, and uh, and it was just uh, it was just Tim and 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 Corbin and uh, I don't know if I'm oh wait no and James and Dulay were there that last yeah, day. That's right. Uh, but it was it was a magical great day, and then I I drove straight to across the border that night. <laughs> oh, that's right. You went to Seattle, right? Yeah, I went to yeah. went to Seattle across the border. I was the only person at the at the border station. I drove like I, I took a cue from Tim, who every season would drive his car up uh, rather than fly in and uh, and enjoy the majesty of the Pacific Northwest in that drive. And and uh, we did it. And it was it was it was fantastic driving home. It, yeah, it's so beautiful. We we did that a few times. Uh, and Tim, we'll probably get to this in a different episode. But I was thinking yesterday about the uh, speeding ticket that I got while we were driving <laughs> yeah. to our, which I actually do think may have was that during spelling bee? Was that during like it was early? I know we it went was early on. We did gun training, and uh, and just because we were like, I mean, I felt anyway. We'll get to that in a minute. But I just to stay on the pilot for a second, just because like I rewatched the pilot. It's. You know, pilots can be a little bit like we're setting up this relationship. We're setting up that relationship. We have to now set up the whole show or whatever. This was like, a st like from day one, the chemist, the Sean and Gus chemistry, like Lassiter and James go, like the Henry Sean stuff, like all of it was just so there immediately. What was so great about that is that uh, there was this great thing that happened on Tim and Tim will can talk to talk to this, but 
Tim came in, knew every single one of his lines and was back, back to front. But what he didn't know is that the whirlwind of James Roday. And so he comes in for the, um, for the tests and they, they come in together and James is completely off book and, uh, and prepared Tim uh, now had to, well, you, I'll let you go from there, Tim, because. Yeah, uh, so it, it actually, so I was so freaking furious this guy. Like I was wanted to kill him. <laughs> and, um, you know, I've got a, for those who don't know, a test situation is incredibly stressful. I go and I do my first, my first pass at it. And I walk out of like, walk out of the room, just full of beans and ready. Just like want to, and they came out to give me notes and they're like, okay, Hey, we think, um, like that was great. You're awesome, obviously. But, um, we think you might, we're worried you're, you might be a little, um, something like a little too soft to be the, um, the authoritarian in this relationship. So can you go in with a little more heat? And I was like, watch this. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh my God. So, actually, so James really gave me an incredible gift in that, in that audition by one, cause I went and just wanted to kill him. And, and the scene is like, as last year, so aggressive in that scene that, um, I wanted to pin him up, pin him up against the wall, which he's so much heavier than me. There was one scene one time where early on when like last year was trying to manhandle Sean. Oh, it was the, um, it was the scene in the kitchen. I think I right, know uh, it yeah. was one of the main times. And I was like, dude, help me out here. Cause you, you outweigh me by a good solid 70 pounds of muscle. Tell me if you not look like a piece of spaghetti. So uh, in that audition, I didn't have to luckily manhandle him, but I think I pushed him against the wall with my voice and I was so angry. And then afterwards I came out, I'm like, okay, that went well. That's so funny. There's a really funny it. moment in the pilot where you, you have him, wait, you have him up against the cop car, like up against the door yeah. at the very end. And I was like, it's so funny because you are pushing him so hard to get it. Like, by the way, I feel like a lot of the physical stuff we did on the show was actually like bones were broken. Uh, I know Dulé's, <laughs> Dulé when he slapped Sean up and then they slap each other a few times. Yeah. Those were real. Um, wait, Steve, what were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say, uh, leading right up to it, you asked about the uh, Vancouver in that that time of uh, of year. And there was... And, and that, that leads right to a Tim story because that entire scene, um, Laster throws Sean to the ground and um, there was about an inch of snow on the ground. Oh my God. It was supposed to be in the middle of the summer. And we had people with hair dryers <laughs> melting the snow and we were shoveling and melting the, the ice. But that didn't mean that the ground wasn't still frozen solid. And Tim, <laughs> Tim going down the ground, you could, you would think that the sound of of two human beings falling to a, a little grassy area is kind of generally kind of nice and soft. But it was like they just dropped onto the ice sheet in the Arctic. <laughs> and do you remember Tim how, how cold and hard that ground was? Oh. I do. <laughs> I was more focused on trying to pick up James. One point, I think I like had him around the waist and just hoisted him with everything, and his little legs went up. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> and that was the thing at the at the beginning. The 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 studio and the everybody they loved James's psychic freakouts, you know. So they wanted this big Jim Carrey physical thing. Right. That James was like, yeah, okay, I'll do a little of that. But James is always like, what am I going to do new the next time? Uh, yeah. So, uh, How did did you write out like? Sean has did you have in your head like what a psychic episode looked like or was that like James just being like all right I guess I'm gonna flail around and and throw myself at walls and like I mean even the first couple that happen in the pilot like it's and the music too like the first Sean vision is actually little is young Sean 
yeah. in the diner and the music like was already kind of established it's so good of this like 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 he's figure we're figuring something out and it's got this whole beat to it and i was like how did the whole sean vision thing come to be the the like elaborate i mean some of the especially like nine lives like some of these in the beginning of uh bend and stretch and chinatown and like all these like, <laughs> like uh-huh. how much of that was sort of did you see and how much of it was like rodet i'm sure it was a combo of both but well i think when when i when i write i break the you're supposed to when you write scripts i think you're supposed to just say you know walks in the room sits down and you're supposed to keep be very specific about but right. i'm always trying to entertain the person who's reading it <laughs> so <laughs> and you do I, I get a little i get a little flowery and i every, every time you see henry in his uh in his hairpiece i would always say corbin burson looking resplendent with a full head of hair and there's always <laughs> there was always this flowery description of corbin with the wig on which is kind of a terrible wig for most of the time oh that's so funny uh, but i think i might have overwritten just just to entertain you guys um and then it may have you know james of course takes these things and and runs with them but i'm sure i said you know the most extravagant psychic vision in right the, in the history of uh, of the world and and james really made it sing and swell and then poor tim had to be the one trying to restrain him from this uh, big piece of physical activity oh you guys were so good together everybody was so i mean just like the even the first scene when we meet gus at work and like it just all of it was so th- there like it was just psych i mean i pilots are always so um i mean i know there were some changes going into uh into uh episode two but i wanted to i want to hear like when you shot the pilot you go to edit it you're like waiting then for the network notes like i don't know if you feel comfortable sharing any of those or if there was anything you had to lose that you absolutely loved but then like how long from rap editing turning it in getting your notes like and then to like getting it picked up was that process and then the changes that kind of had to be made because it does feel a little different going into like spelling bee just a little like we don't meet sean making out with a girl we don't like uh, there is the big motorcycle thing though so in the script it was like he's got a v rod and i'm like what are you talking about no this guy should be on an old norton or a triumph uh-huh. I think I, I think it did actually become a Norton. I think it was at your suggestion. Yeah, because it was it was always about the car. I always thought, okay, you know, for you know, Starsky and Hutch was about their car, you know, and so it, it, they always had and, and Jim Rockford had a had a crazy uh, uh, cool car. So it was always about okay, so this guy rides around on a motorcycle, and I'm like, oh, this will be fun. And and I yeah, I, I wrote probably the wrong one. And Tim's like, give it this one, and I go, thank you. See, this is why everybody can have a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> bring right. something to the show. I love this. I, I I really love that idea. James did not like the idea of the motorcycle and hated not only hated riding around on it. Um, you know, even when we we gave him lessons on it, and then he didn't like having to carry the helmet, and we had to track where the helmet was. And you know, the 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 magnificence of James Roday's hair um, cannot be compromised by uh, by helmetry. So we had to <laughs> oh, and most of the time. He- when you say riding around on a motorcycle, most of the time, wasn't it like strapped to the back of a truck? Yeah. Well, and by the way, that's uncomfortable and not that fun, but I always thought it would be cool. And it, and in, in the script, it was just Gus had the company car and, uh, you know, and we didn't think about a blueberry or, or any of that stuff. Right. They just, we went to the studio and they had three cars outside <laughs> and they go, Hey, we have some cars. And then two of them were like relatively normal cars. And then the other one was this blue monstrosity. 
<laughs> like that didn't even exist in the United States. It was like a Canadian version of, I think the, the equivalent was like a Yaris at the time. Oh, right. Uh, <laughs> right. And we were like, what is that? And it was like, well, I guess that's got to be the car because we don't even know what this thing is. And it wasn't called the Blueberry until we did uh, uh, American Duos in the second season. Tim Curry, right? Yeah, Tim Curry oh, right? says, I feel like I've been incarcerated in a Blueberry. <laughs> and it's like, oh, oh my gosh, well, that's it. Best lines. <laughs> uh, Tim, I want I want to talk about going into like episode two, Spelling Bee, uh, and, which is funny because actually... Spelling Bee is when I do my audition episode, which is uh, audition episode, audition scene with uh, James at the diner. And uh, but we shot that a little bit later because Speak Now was actually the first episode we shot back after the pilot. And that's where Tim and I met because Tim and I had the first scene on the very first day of the series. So it was actually Tim and I who started the day on day one. And I was oh, wow. like, what is happening? I'm playing a detective? Like, this is like, <laughs> what's going on? Although, you know, Max, I was in, in that first scene with you and James. I was on the set that day. You and I didn't have any lines together. Yeah, but that wasn't what the first thing we shot. The first thing I shot, no. was it? No, the first thing you and I shot together was um, walking into the now. Was walking into the church. Yeah, but yeah. you were at the diner on Spelling Bee. It's just funny because, like, we had already shot, like, chemistry stuff. Like, and we'll get into that, like, the next one. Because even, like, that scene, I loved that scene, that diner scene so much when I read it uh, originally uh, in the audition. To the point where I was like, did he just write this for the audition because I want, I really hope I get to do this scene if, like, we go. And then it was, like, right there at the top of Spelling Bee and how we met because we were on a how we met Juliet and Sean. Actually, is that the first time we we see Juliet? I think it is. Yeah. Oh my yeah, God. Absolutely. It's so crazy. And and it was written, it was written just for the audition. Oh. Um, and so I kind of thought you know, that. And so, but it was, I loved it so much that I'm like, well, I just want to stick this in the show. And you were so good in it. And it was like, well, clearly this is the, this is the only, uh, uh, clearly this has to have a life somewhere else. And it was just, it was just perfect and, and, and fun and all already done, which makes it. A <laughs> <laughs> which is your favorite kind of scene. <laughs> Best uh, kind of scene. Um, I just, I've, I've, I've like, I feel like we just got through like psych being where psych came from and the pilot. And I, so I want to have you back for, for more of the uh how the episodes kind of unfold but i feel like today before you, before you get to that you were talking about how the chemistry on the pilot was just set. yeah yeah please so yes it, like the pilot was just sort of like a done package all wrapped up in a bow which we didn't realize we were missing a very important element because then you came on the show and we're like all of us were like oh my god this ray of sunshine this was the missing piece of puzzle puzzle Aww, piece there it was like you come in and just and just it really it so solidified everything for everybody i remember reading the pilot i remember uh i got i had come off of a sitcom and i had done like same kind of mostly comedy to that point and i was like you do comedy because <laughs> <laughs> you should yeah yeah you should too we should too we should do a comedy uh we should so uh, I I got the script and I remember them saying like the show's already on the air and like you know and I was like this is I've never read anything quite like this like I was like this is so special 
it's so different, even just at the, like, the first reading of it. And I was like, I hope, I mean, they want to see, like, they see me as a detective because at that point I had, like, like I said, I had just come off this, like, sitcom or whatever. And I loved, I loved it so much. I just wanted to say, like, I, at that point, I feel like most people had sort of put in a category of, like, you know, I'm doing sitcoms and whatever. And so I get the script, I go in and I read. And the fact that, like, you saw me for this, like, it was a, it was something I hadn't, uh, I, I hadn't had a ton of experience with yet. I hadn't had like an openness of people being like, yeah, I see her as a detective. Granted, I know <laughs> it's still a, a, a comedy and it was lighter. It was like the perfect, probably the, it was, it was, it was the perfect thing, but it was also like a rare. It was just, I, I feel so lucky. When you were 18 too, which was weird. I do feel like that. I look back at the episodes. I'm like, who is that? <laughs> I look so young. And like, I felt, I remember at first being like, oh my God, I, I feel weird saying this now. Cause I was like, yeah, of course I'm a detective, whatever. I felt like I was like dressing up in my dad's suits a little bit. <laughs> like I was like, I did. There were a couple of times I put on the suits. I'm like, is anyone buying this? A recurring theme was, hey, hey Maggie, where's your gun? Because <laughs> like, you, oh, you weren't wearing a gun at the time. That's still a you recurring theme. Like, why is this cop not wearing, wearing a gun? Yeah. Yeah. Like, the yeah, gun it's just appears. It's in my bag. It's in my bag. Yeah. Um, well, the thing is, the guns ruin everybody's clothes. Like, if the guy has, like, this nice suit on, and then there's this bulge bulb. where this gun yes. is. And it's like, you know, and it's so it's always like, yeah, they have it. You just don't see where it is. It's just, it's very streamlined. Except for Tim, who... No, I know. Insisted. Always. Always. <laughs> yeah. al no, but it's true. You were, like, you were authentic. Not that yep. I wasn't, but I definitely was more like, okay, how does this look? Does this yeah, look no. okay? <laughs> <laughs> just so that, you know. Kind of like cops and robbers about a gun. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> it's true. Over the course of talking about Psych on this podcast, what I kind of want uh, to share is this this part of it where I feel like people who came up to do the show, word of mouth, I think, got out pretty fast that, like, we have fun. We were so good at, like, like, we just, that's what we were about. Like, fun, it was like, you come up, we have a good time, uh, you, we show you a good time, we all played, we partied, we, like, we just... It was all about that. And so having people back, people always, I feel like, wanted to come back. And, like, I don't know. I, like, look back now over the time. I'm like, man, this was something else. Like, it was so special. It it was it was one of those things that I actually do feel like, you know, when you look at something and you think, like, man, I wish I knew at the time, like, how good I had it. And then, like, you think back and you're like, man, I think we actually did know, like, how yeah, special <laughs> it was. Like, we knew every day that we got to all be together. We knew every day, every episode, every season we got picked up. Like, we didn't even... Like, we loved it so much. I think m most of us at that point, other than Dulé, had never had a second season of a show ever. Okay, so I'm going to let you all go because I will just talk all day. And I feel like I ha still have a gazillion. I, I just want to hear all of it, everything. I love this so much. Thank you so much for sharing everything. And um, the psychos are going to love it. Tim, we, we started with 40 minutes of Disneyland stories, so uh, you'll, be, you'll be excited to that hear That were amazing, but it's all part of you and where all this came from, and it's just it's perfect. It's all perfect. I this can't wait so to good. watch this episode. <laughs> it's going <gonna> <laughs> exactly. to be great, and Tim, you were awesome, and Maggie, you were spectacular. You were born to do this. Okay. And, uh... <laughs> Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Steve. <laughs> all right. Thank you all. all right. Love See you guys. Later. Goodbye. Bye. See you guys. 
That was such an incredible talk with Steve. Loved it so much. Thank you all for listening to our first episode of The Psychologists Are In. We are beyond excited to relive all of our favorite parts of Psych with you all. Our favorite parts being all of them. And we'd love to hear from you. So please feel free to message us on our Instagram at The Psychologists Are In, our Twitter at Psychologist Pod with any questions about the show. And while you're at it, follow us on TikTok at The Psychologists Are In. I am still getting used to TikTok. I have not used TikTok, but uh, I'm going to get great at it for this podcast. Anyway, see you next week where we will be talking to James Rode Rodriguez, Sean Spencer himself. We get into some really good stuff. You do not want to miss it. Bye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.